Hey there, thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. We are talking about the issues of loneliness, isolation, and how to overcome them with true friendship and community. For more information on these and other issues, check out Jack's website at jackeason.org. Now here's Jack. Hey, Tony. Jack Eason, how are you? Good, Jack. Hey, can you hear me okay? I'm- oh, no, you're, you're fine. I think you're fine. Good. Awesome. Thanks for taking a little bit of time. I know you're very, very busy. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, anytime somebody's wanting to talk about pastors and the issues that they deal with, and they seem to be somewhere close to the same camp I'm in and loving the Lord and the gospel and Jesus, then I'm all for it, brother, because my pastor friends need a lot of encouragement and strength. Yeah, I understand. I understand. I I have been in the process of... um, just to give you a little bit of a background in history, um, uh, wow, doing doing ministry for a long time, but um, my wife really is the published author. Uh, she writes Christian fiction, has been writing for about ten years, and has been bugging me just in ministry experience. She said, "You need to write. You need to write some of this stuff down." So, uh, after a couple years of her. Um, um, urging, I'll say urging instead of nagging. Um, urging, I finally um, started working on something and put together a proposal. And anyway, long story short, the 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 book is slated to come out through uh, Revel in October, next October, a year away. But I really wanted to to, to talk about how we can function better together uh, as the body of Christ and how we can make an impact. And in beginning to do that research, I came across a lot of reasons maybe why that that doesn't happen. And one of those. Uh, was the issue of loneliness, which, um, you know, you would think it would affect uh, the el- elderly and perhaps widowed people, and it does. Um, but the the two groups of people that I thought were very interesting was uh, the millennial age group, which is the largest group that seems to be dealing with loneliness and yet the most connected uh, ever in history. Uh, and then the other is pastors, and I know you've done a lot of work in that area. What What kind of sparked your heart just particular with the area of loneliness, or is it something that you knew firsthand, or how did you discover that's something that pastors and ministry leaders deal with? Yeah, I had, um, is loneliness the topic, of the whole topic of the book that you're aiming at? Yeah, well, we're going to be talking about that, and then, you know, what are the what are the things that keep us from lonely, what are the obstacles that keep us from doing fellowship? Uh, ultimately, the book will really get into... Um, uh, Acts chapter two and uh, the early church that they fellowship together, they worship together, they did community together, which is how God yes. created us. And yet, even uh, even as pastors, we live in community, but um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. Yes, <laughs> yes. that it is for multiple reasons. Uh, what got me started uh, working? Uh, of course, I'm still a pastor. I've been here. I'm in my 26th year here at Lagrange Baptist. So, wow, that's I'm awesome rare long-termers, but it's been God's grace to leave us here. We dreamed of doing this, and the Lord enabled it. We're thankful. But when I was doing a church plant in Florida back in the early 90s, uh, I went through a very surprising, deep, dark depression. I was 31. We had three children at the time. We have four. And I was, I grew up in a man's world. Uh, I paid for my college playing football, and I just never saw myself as the man that would, you know, have any kind of mental or emotional problems. And it took that and a few other things to show me that I'd spent most of my life trying to be somebody I wasn't. And through that, finding help, finding 
much more about the the deeper nature of my own person. It gave me a passion for people who suffer from mental, emotional distress, but also the particular loneliness pastors have in that arena. Mm, yeah. Because they can't stand up in most Sunday morning congregations and tell them their doctor told them to take six weeks off because they're depressed or they're bipolar or they're seriously afflicted with OCD. Right, right. It just doesn't go over well. Yeah, that's right. And then that just opened up a whole branch of stuff. So for 15 years, I've been counseling pastors across the state and across the country, and now I do that. And I also uh, work with the North American Mission Board. I saw where you've got some work with them in the past. Yes. And. And I do basically pastoral care for their church planters, missionaries, employees when they run into tough spots. Why, why do you think it is in your uh, experience? And you, you mentioned there's probably several reasons specifically for for pastors that that yes. the issue of loneliness. One, you kind of hinted, hinted at we, it's hard to, to share that with your congregation, uh, even though that's your your church as a pastor or ministry leader. Um, for for a lot of reasons, it's just hard to share that. But what what are some other obstacles that keep them from you? But you think as pastors from really plugging in and finding community? Yes, that because that's not common to all. That, that was just kind of my backstory on how I got interested. Right, in right. Um, one, I think it is the nature of the pastoral calling. Um, when you look at the Lord Jesus, though He had His twelve around Him there were times that he was just alone and he had an aloneness. None of us suffered so that we would never have to be alone. And he'd say, I never leave you or forsake you. But things that keep a pastor awake at night, at least a serious one, his church members never even think about. And there are just so many innate things in ministry. Uh, my knowledge base of the personal lives of the people in this church they know what I know about them as individuals, but nobody else knows what I know about them. And I can't sit down and have a conversation. So caring for people at an intimate level puts you in a bit of isolation right. when it comes to things that you help with that others can't, depending on the level. Of course, I think we need to build a climate in the church that allows much more openness at that level. Yes, and yes. It can be done. Right. But that's, that's just part of the natural things that go along. And some of the guys that I've read, um, older guys, Luther and Spurgeon, talk about the loneliness of leadership because of the same thing, just the nature of your pursuing the Lord. And he's called you to a place where you're called to feed other people. Mm. And so you get the food first and digest it and give it back to the church. Those I don't think are negatives, though. Those are just realities. Right, right. Um, the negative starts when the pastor begins to miss his own identity as a person and mm. plays out a persona. Yeah. He's always a pastor. He's never a person. Right, right. And when you don't know yourself, you certainly can't let other people know you. Does that make sense to you, what I'm saying? Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I was I was sharing with a group of, of pastors in Texas recently just to encourage them at a, at a luncheon that an organization had, and— um, one of the things that I shared with him was a conversation that I had with a with a friend of mine who's a pastor who went through a similar time. It sounds like what you, you may have gone through. And and uh, he and I grew up together as teenagers. And I, I just uh, just felt prompted the Lord to ask him the question. I just said, um, I said, Ryan, do you think God would be pleased with you if you were not a pastor and you were just you were just a, a Christian? You were just following him as a as a as a person, like you said. And um 
he uh, he started crying, and he said, "I I don't know." And I said, "Well, he would, <laughs> you know." And of course, you know, all of us have been. I've been in those dark times too, where you wonder. And I don't know if it's, um, you know, I'd be interested in your your take on this. I don't know if this is a North American concept because. You know, I've done done a lot of ministry work outside the country, and and in culture, maybe it's a cultural North American cultural thing. You know, if you ask someone in the third world to say, "Tell me about yourself," they immediately start talking about their friends and family. Yes. But if you ask someone in America, "Tell me about yourself," they immediately start talking about their occupation or their vocation. And so I just uh, I wonder sometimes in the third world, I'm thinking you you guys actually have it figured out, and we don't in North America. <laughs> Oh, there's a whole lot of truth to that. Mm. We are so much in the West, the individualist culture and the East, almost the rest of the world is a collectivist culture. Mm -hmm. And we could learn a lot from that because we're so isolated by, I mean, how many Americans even know their neighbors' names? Right. That's right. I had a friend from Israel over and he was talking to me about our culture and he's talking about how warm and friendly the South was. I said, well, that's as long as your church. <laughs> I said, didn't you notice all the privacy fences in the backyard? <laughs> and he was just shocked at, you mean neighbors on the street don't know each other? I said, no, not not most places around here. Right, that's right. How how do you? I know you um, with the with the mission board and convention. You were a part of a group that kind of, if I'm remembering correctly, and feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. You were a part of a team that kind of explored this whole issue uh, and how to serve pastors better and the whole the the, the loneliness um, concept and idea. What, what were some of the discoveries that you that you came across with that team of people? Yeah, the real focus was it was. Um a task force appointed by then Frank Page, who was the executive committee president of the SBC, right. to see what Southern Baptist entities and churches were doing to help the mental health community and educate their church about it. So it was way beyond loneliness. Yeah, good. But it dealt with the loneliness that mental health could bring. And mainly what we discovered was there's still a great deal of uh, ignorance in the church as to what mental illness actually is. Mm. And there is a great deal of stigma, more stigma in the church than in the world because we tend to over-spiritualize everything. Right. Uh, some pastor friends of mine are more spiritual than God is. Yeah. And they would help them. They could loosen up just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're close to Southern Seminary. And so sometimes our staff members come from there. And sometimes a number of students or interns come. And so I tell them that our role is to desanitize them. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> I right. love Southern Seminary. Right. No problem there. But all seminaries are sterile environments and they're not like the real world. That's right. But. I don't know that too many things came out of that, Jack. It's what grew after that that I learned more about pastors and the issues of loneliness and how they relate to people and relate to people in their church. Mm. Uh, one of the myths I used to fight against, but it's not a myth I found out, is it's very hard for the pastor to have a close friend in his own church. Yes, that's true. That's true. And it ought not be that way. I don't know all the reasons why it is. I know the practical ones that everybody says, uh, but I don't know if it's more immaturity in the people or fear in the pastor. Mm, mm. Pastors blame it on the 
maturity of the people, but sometimes I think it's fear in our hearts that we're just unwilling to let anybody inside. Right, right. What what are some tips? I know you can't give an exhaustive list, but but if, if a pastor were to listen to our conversation, what what are some uh, some suggestions that you would uh, give to uh, to him or her to to help them with this whole issue of loneliness, or to pre- prevent it, or, or to to move past it? Um, I don't like starting here, but this by experience seems to be the most effective starting point. And that's to find a fellow pastor of like-mindedness that you develop a relationship with. Uh, There are a few uniquenesses that go with being a pastor that only the pastor understands. And that tends to build a foundation where you get more relational skills to find the people in your church you can trust. That's one of the most practical things guys can do. Mm, Right. Um, And most guys know this. It's just the, it, it really is in the doing. Um, and I, I, I think you doing loneliness is of huge importance and great timing for two reasons. One, we were created to be relational. We were created out of the relationship of the Trinity into the relationship of man and woman to build a society. And so God and the loner ideal of humanity don't even mix. And we can't develop outside of relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's another necessity of it and that's why lack of relationships i think bring loneliness is as far as i know there are only two mirrors we get to look at our reflection at the old puritans used to say that the eye in our soul is just like the eye in our head it sees everything but itself Mm. and the believer if they don't look in the word of god and look in the reflection of their relationships with other people they'll never know themselves well yeah and and with that you are bound to loneliness. Wow. You don't have anybody to share your secrets with. You don't have anybody to fall on when you're uh, down or to hold up when they're down. And that's that's the real life of Christianity. I'm, I'm jabbered on, but I said there are two. And the second one is this. Um, you're already on it talking about millennials and the following generation. And the church is yet to even wake up to it. And that's the virtual world. Mm-hmm. There, there is nothing virtual about any part of Christianity. It, real Christianity is all on location with geography, space, time, and people. Yeah, that's right. I am forever thankful. Well, I could say I'm thankful for the Internet, for people who are good bloggers, for Gospel Coalition, T4G. Right. But that is not Christianity. That's right. And the church has swallowed it hook, line, and sinker, and kids don't even know, hardly know how to talk to each other. They are the most connected, but they don't they don't know how to relate. Mm, mm. Um, if you, I don't know if you research with that generation, but Sherry Turkle, she's a secular lady. She's probably done the most research on what digital communication has done to personal relationship. Uh, if you want to dig into any of her books she's got some good data yeah no that's good i i have uh looked at that uh quite quite a bit and it's as you said you know we seem to be connected that generation and and, and even even uh older and, and of course younger um i read one author who said we have we've traded in community for the false shrines of twitter and instagram um and i thought okay that's that's pretty good because we we do we think we're connected and ultimately i think it's important and you just said this um 
it goes back to relationship and friendship. And uh, one of the things that I was reading about accountability said, you know, that we we use that as a buzzword in our churches, accountability, and sometimes say it so much that people assume that they are accountable, but that accountability really doesn't happen without um, genuine relationship or friendship. And so the reason accountability is lacking is is just because people don't even have a close enough friendship to even start that process. Um, so it's it's uh, yeah, so it's interesting. There's been a lot of neat discoveries um, that I've come across doing this, and and it is you said this too that that loneliness is just kind of one piece of the whole mental health issue. What what can we do um, for again for pastors or ministry leaders that may listen to this conversation? What what can we do to help our churches? Uh, understand better uh, not just the issue of loneliness but mental health what are some practical things that we perhaps could could be doing or should be doing oh goodness that's too broad of a question but I'll give you my thoughts Um, the first one is to study a little bit of church history Mm -hmm. if we're going to move forward in that arena we're going to have to go backwards Um, when you get um, probably the last scholar in America that wrote really well about these issues was Archibald Alexander from Princeton in his book on religious experience. And then you go to Spurgeon and then Newton and then the Puritans and the Puritan pastors, English Puritan pastors, believe it or not, were a goldmine of pastoral wisdom and understanding the human makeup. And they knew that there was a difference between a psychological problem or a problem in your head and a problem in your soul that was spiritual. Mm-hmm. And today we cross those wires with very little expertise, but think we have the expertise and we send a depressed ho- person home more depressed because we've told them they need to repent. And uh, we don't discern that this is a Christian who's striving. It's like Spurgeon said, he's noted that some of God's finest saints travel most of the way to heaven in the dark. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't find preachers ever saying stuff like that today. Right, right. But Spurgeon experienced melancholy. So if I said it any way, I'd say this is to learn the mental and emotional maladies are a normal part of life and always have been. They're just not normal for every person. Right, right. If the church can accept that, then we can be more accepting to those people who are dying for someone to be close to them. Mm -hmm. They're hard to be close to. There's no question any level of mental or emotional illness is draining on the people who give care. Wow. That, that is so, that's so good. That's so good. You you are, uh, as you said, been been a pastor there at LaGrange for uh, for, for a while. Um, and uh, thank you for, for what you do as a pastor. And uh, just, again, all the things that you, um, the way you minister to your church there. If somebody wanted to get in, in touch with you to find out more or to delve deeper into some of the things that we've talked about, what's the best way for them to connect with you um, and get a hold of you? Probably my email. Okay. Yeah. All right. We'll make sure that we um, we uh, post that when we uh, when we get through editing. Is there anything else that, that you think we should hit on while we're while we're talking? About this issue that you've you've come across, it would be relevant. I didn't mean to take this much time, but I, I appreciate it. It's been really no, helpful. No, I didn't. I blocked out some time. I didn't know what kind of amount of time it would take, Jack, because I know when we get talking, especially about an issue like this, you're researching and writing a book, so your mind's full of it. And I've, I'm working with pastors or people that work for NAM nearly every day now, so my mind is full of it. 
Um, I, I think one thing, it, it, it's not directly related to that, but in another way it is, the reason we shy away from a relational operation in life is it's just too sticky. Yeah, no, that's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. People are messy. Life is messy. But Eugene Peterson said something. Uh, Eugene Peterson, when he was alive, I read many of his books, and he did two things for me, both at the same time. He fed my soul and irritated my soul. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people, if you quote Eugene, they think you're spiritual. The others think you're a heretic. But when he wrote his early books to pastors, he was saying things nobody else was saying that desperately needed to be said. Mm. And one thing he said was this. We go to ministry, I mean to seminary, to learn how to clean up messes and get rid of mystery. He said that's the exact opposite of what ministry is. Mm. We go. We should be going into ministry to step into the mess and deal with the mysteries. Wow, and I think we just don't like dealing with a mess. No, I think you're right. It's it's a uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> it's it really a lot is of work. a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, you can. It's easy to grow an organizational structure in a big body of people called a church through all the means we have today, especially if you're in a populated area. But what does that mean to the lives of the individual people there? Now, that's true of a small church and a large mm, church. It's right. not a slam against large churches at all. Um, how we get inside of people, it, there's certainly no magic. It's time and mess. Mm. I, wish there was a, I wish there was a better way. It wears me out. But my life is rich because of it, my friend. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Jack Eason Podcast. Be sure to check out the website for blogs, videos, and more help on the issues of loneliness, friendship, and community. To get updates on the release of Jack's new book from Ravel Publishing, sign up for an email alert at jackeason.org.